The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What would you do if someone presented you with a book that, if you read it, would tell you exactly the way you die? And then we travel to British Columbia to meet a young homeless man wandering the streets of a city looking for a computer so he can email his mom. Instead, he finds himself on a collision course with a witch, a zombie, and a voice in his head screaming, Kill, kill, kill. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rapid Radio. I'm your host, Jason Garbiner. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you guys are having tons of fun out in the world doing all the stuff that you're doing. We got a lot of stuff to cover, so we're going to get started right away. First off, everyone give a round of applause for our newest Patreon supporter, riding himself into Dead Rabbit Command. Give it up for Horse Boya. Woohoo, yeah, yeah. Get on, boy. Jump on his back, riding around like a horse, like his name says. Horse Boyo, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, I totally understand. Just help spread the word about the show. That really, really, really helps out a lot. It really does. It helps the show grow. Now, Horse Boyo, get that bit out of your mouth. He's like, not a real horse, dude. It's just a nickname. Get that bit out of your mouth, but I'm staying on the saddle. I'm going to toss you the keys to the Dead Rabbit Dirigible. We're going to leave behind Dead Rabbit Command. Fly us all the way out to a library. We're walking around this library. It's like any library you've seen before. Any city library that you can walk around, there's books and nerds. And then it's surprisingly hot librarians nowadays. Have you guys noticed that? I don't know what it is. Nowadays, librarians, they're just hot. They don't even have to let their hair down or take their glasses off. It's not like she's all that, are they nerdy or hot type of thing. They're just hot. Have you guys noticed that? I I don't know. Maybe it's just me. But you're like, okay, you pervert, I'm not allowed in the libraries anymore. I'm outside on this segment because of my restraining order. However, you guys get to walk around the library and you're looking for a book. Now, we don't know the name of the book. We don't know what part of the Dewey Decimal System it would be in. Probably dark magic, occult knowledge. I don't think there's a Dewey Decimal number for that. We're looking for a book that may or may not exist. In fact, as far as we know, there's only three people who know of this book. So it teeters on the edge of an urban legend, a fictional tale, right? This could be completely made up. Or something that's real, that was never cataloged. Because in a sense, you wouldn't want this book around. There is a a guy online, he goes by the name Few Conflict 4038. He told this story, we're going to call him Joey uh, for short, but Joey, he normally posts online about like car, trans ams and stuff like that. Like, hey, does this muffler look cool? I don't know. I'm not a car guy. 
I so I have no no opinion on that. He talks about music and stuff like that. He talks about relatively normal stuff, and that's kind of what I like when I see stuff this bizarre online. I've said this before. If someone's always talking about once-in-a-lifetime paranormal events, it makes it seem less true, right? But if someone is just talking about ordinary stuff all the time and then one day posts something like this, just out of the blue, I'm not saying 100% that I know this is factual because I don't, but it does add a lot of weight to this story. Let's take a look at this. What Joey says is he went online and he goes, I'm looking for a book, and I want to know if anybody knows about this book. I know about it because my mother used to tell me about this book. And she knows about it because her father owned it. And Joey comes from a Hispanic family as well. So Hispanic family, we're about two generations back. Joey's grandfather owned a book. And this book, if you read it, would tell you exactly how you were going to die. Joey says that he's looking for this book, and, and not necessarily like he needs possession of it. Joey's going online, and he's like, has anyone heard about this? Does anyone know anything about this? He posted about it in the Urban Legends subreddit. And he's like, I haven't been able to find anything online about it. Was this something that my grandpa told my mom to scare her to kind of keep her mind? It's like, you better go to bed, honey, or I'm going to make you read that book. You're going to find out you die. You die in your sleep when you're nine. Did he use it to scare the mom into doing things? Was this something that actually existed? Because Joey's never seen the book. So that's kind of what prompted this. And he wasn't able to find anything online. He doesn't have a ton of information to go off of. But he did add this. And and this really, I think, is the thrust of the story when he was talking a little bit more about the book. His mom had told him that people who read the book went insane because they became so paranoid trying to stop the way that they would die. In first glance, if someone came to you with a book and they said, if you read this book, and it's funny, it's not like an envelope, it's not like a page in the book. I imagine you're like, okay, come on, all this Jacob stuff is super boring. When when does Edward come back into the story? And then tell me how I'll die. I don't know how thick the book is. I don't know if there's a plot. And you're like, oh, you're too bored. You're like, I don't want to read tonight. But you're going to find out how you die. Yeah, I'll, I'll read more tomorrow. I'm too busy watching Cobra Kai. Like, was it a real page turner? Or was it just like you opened it up and it said, you will die. You'll see. This is the thing. Like, imagine. I imagine you open the book up and it says, uh, "You'll die in your sleep." It doesn't specify, at least according to Joey's description, when you'll die, just how you will die. If I read that, I thought, "Okay, I'm gonna live to be, you know, 80, 90, and I'll die in my sleep." It's pretty good. What if it said, "You will be buried alive"? Like at that point, you know you're being murdered. You know you're the victim of some brutal crime. You open the book up and it says you will bleed out in an abandoned basement. Like, it would depend, right? If it was a good death, you'll die in a hospital surrounded by your loved ones. It's like choose your own adventure and it's all the end. And you're like, ooh, there's a little drawing of you laying in a bed. Like, that would be fine. Like, see, that's the gamble, right? If I told you, listen, you could open this book up and it'll tell you exactly how you die. First off, would you do it? Would you read that book? And it's funny because the way Joey... And this is a very, very short post. The way Joey has 
presented it is we don't know. We It doesn't sound like the mother ever looked at the book. And we don't know if the grandpa is even still alive. But would you look at that book? Would you open that book up? If somebody said this book will tell you exactly how you are going to die, would you do it? And I think it would drive you insane. Because if it told you in a year, if it told you the timeline, I think it would be less traumatic, right? You're like, oh, buried alive. I'll be buried alive, but it's 25 years from now. Time to party it up. Like, you know what? If it's farther off in the future, no matter how horrific it is, you're like falling a wheat thresher. What? I don't even hang out at farms. But, you know, it's it's not going to happen until I'm 82, so maybe it's some Soylent Green situation. I'm feeding somebody. So whatever. But if it just said you will fall in a wheat thresher... You, you would, it would drive you nuts. And if you knew it was no matter what you did in life, you were going to die by falling in a wheat thresher. You first thing you would do is you'd move to a big city, right? You would be as far away from farms as possible. And then you would not want to live, I'm assuming, by like any roads, right? In case like a wheat thresher was driving through the Macy's parade in New York. You're out there with your balloons. You're like, yay. And then you fall in the wheat thresher float. But no matter what you did, something would make you die in a Wheat Thresher. You would end up becoming a punk rock band called the Wheat Thresher. And you're like at the concert and you're dancing. You're like, oh, who's this band opening up for Slipknot? And they're like, it's Wheat Thresher. You're like, what? You didn't hear them over the music. And they're like, it's Wheat Thresher. And you're like, no. And then the band stomps you to death. That's their signature move. They stomp a single person to death each show. Yeah, like, it would drive you insane if it was something, again, if it was you die in bed, you die in a hospital, you die in your sleep, you'd be like, okay, even if that happened tomorrow, you'd be like, oh, okay, it doesn't give me the exact date, but I don't think you would never sleep again. You would assume that'd be a peaceful death, but if it was, like, killed in a mass shooting, stabbed in the brain, (laughs) you could stop naming the worst possible things you can think of. That would make you more paranoid. Uh, That would make you a hundred times. You wouldn't be able to enjoy life, right? You would constantly be worried about someone stabbing you in the brain (laughs) during a mass shooting, oddly enough. Yeah, so does this book exist? That's the first question. And it would be terrifying if it did. I'm a fan and a believer of items like this. Like if this story turns out to be totally fake and some sort of ARG, I apologize for wasting your time. But I do believe items like this can exist. Cursed objects are one of those things that I do personally believe in. From haunted dolls to things like this. Ancient texts. or Not so ancient. I mean, I'm sure somewhere in some used bookstore, somewhere in the world right now, there's a copy of a paperback dime store romance novel published in 1987 that is cursed. It has some sort of dark energy attached to it. I believe in that stuff. I've come across that stuff personally. Did I ever tell you? I told you the guys the story about the doll we found in the backyard that hypnotized me and Jackie. I told you guys that story, right? Put in the comments or email me if I never told you that story. (laughs) No, Jason, you clearly didn't tell me that time where you were hypnotized by a doll. I'm pretty sure I told that story. But anyways, if I didn't, I'll tell it in a future episode. I believe in those things because I've come across those things. This story fits with things. I've never come across a book that would tell me if I was dead, but that's why I'm so fascinated by this, even though there's not a lot of information to go off of. And two, if it did exist, would you read it? That'd be the big question, because it's a gamble. 
if it was a peaceful... And again, not knowing the date, if it just said the way you died, that's the big difference. If it said I was going to die violently at the age of 92, I'd be fine with that. Because I know I could I know that I could be as violent as I wanted to other people. People are beating me up, and I'm like, ha, 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 nothing will stop me till I'm 92. And they throw me in prison. I'm like, oh, I probably shouldn't have been violent towards all those random people. Now I'm going to be in prison till I'm 92. If it told you the date, that'd be one thing, no matter how brutal it was. You could at least not be paranoid until that last year of your life. But if it was just like, you are going to be crushed by a wall... And you knew it was going to work because it happened with everyone else who read that book. They ended up dying the way that the book told them to. You would become super paranoid because you don't know if it happens while you're reading the book. You don't know if it happens 100 years from now. So would you read that book knowing that it could either give you peace of mind, that it'll be a very peaceful death, and there's nothing you can do to change that peaceful death. You could go skydiving. You could do all these crazy sports and stunts. I'm the next evil Knievel. It doesn't say anything about me. I'm sure you might be able to break all the bones in your body and still be alive. The book's not that specific. But you, you would have a freedom knowing that you were going to die in your sleep. And you're like, well, I know I'm not going to die falling out of an airplane. I've always wanted to go skydive and stuff like that. So, or if it, You know what I mean? Like, It's super interesting. But if you open that book... And it was a bad ending. It was a choose-your-own-adventure that you can't turn to page one and start over. Would you open it? Forbidden knowledge. Like, at what point do you access it? In my 20s, I probably would have read the book. But it's funny because at 45, it turned 46 in about two weeks. I'm much closer to dying than I was when I was 20. Well, it doesn't seem like that. I was a knucklehead in my 20s, but... I don't think I would read it now. I think it probably would drive me insane. But what would you do? Very, very interesting story, right? Very interesting dilemma. Would you read the book or not? Does it exist? Who knows? It might be sitting in someone's library somewhere. Waiting to be read. Waiting to be innocently picked up by somebody, right? Not knowing what it is. and They read it and they wouldn't believe it, right? They wouldn't know the lineage of it. They'd be like, oh, what? It says that I'm going to die. <laughs> it says I'm going to die by dismissing a book, throwing it over my shoulder, and knocking over a huge thing of molten steel. He's reading it in his molten steel factory. It's like that doesn't make sense. So who knows? Horse boy, oh, let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the carpenter copter. We are leaving behind this molten steel factory as a tidal wave is chasing us. Sorry, we can't save everyone. We have room, but. We don't have time to pick you up. Horse boy take us out of here. We are headed all the way out to British Columbia. Specifically, we're headed to Abbotsford in British Columbia. It's November 1st, 2016. And before we get started, I want to give a shout out to the person who recommended this story to me, Brew. Brew emailed me this story quite a long time ago. Quite a long time ago, I got this email and I don't know why I waited so long to tell this one. This is a really cool story. On November 1st, 2016, in the town of Abbotsford, there's a young man walking down the street. His name is Gabriel Brandon Klein. On this particular morning, Gabriel's walking around town, and people can tell something's wrong with him. Even though on video camera, video surveillance footage that we have, he looks like he's smiling, he looks normal, right? He looks like anyone else walking into the store. He wasn't being videotaped. A lot of witnesses said, yeah, we noticed this guy walking down the street. He was screaming at the top of his lungs. He was shouting at people randomly. 
Oddly enough, when he walks into a liquor store, he has a big smile on his face. He's not screaming. He's not drawing any attention to himself, which is probably smart on his behalf because he's actually going into shoplift. And we see on video him shoplifting two bottles of alcohol and throwing them in his backpack and then just walking out of the store. Now, like I said, this wasn't the town he grew up in. He actually was originally in Alberta, Canada. But early in his childhood, early in his childhood, he knew there was something wrong with him. He was having these delusions. He was believing things that weren't real, and he was hearing voices. And he said he had two voices in his head. A good voice and an evil voice. The evil voice he named Lucy. And she would tell him to think awful thoughts, to do awful things. And as his delusions grew, he ended up fleeing Alberta because he believed he was being chased by three different organizations. White supremacists, the Hells Angels, and the Mounties, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. Which if I was being pursued by white supremacists and the Hells Angels, I would hope the Mounties were chasing me. I'd be like, yeah, guys. I'm glad you're here. I'm currently being pursued by a bunch of white supremacists and hell's angels. Can you help me out? But his delusions weren't making sense, right? What were these groups doing running together? So he ran. He left Alberta and he was homeless, just walking around. He finds himself in Abbotsford in November of 2016. He's stealing that liquor. Now, he did take a couple shots, a couple shots of alcohol. And he continues walking down the street, screaming at the top of his lungs. And yet people just passed by him. There's no report that I could find of anyone calling the police and saying, hey, there's this lunatic walking down the street, screaming at the top of his lungs. Everyone just kind of minded their own business. A few hours after going into the liquor store, we have him on video going into a Cabela's, which is a outdoor sporting, hunting-type store, if you're not familiar with them. And we have him, we see him on video walking into the Cabela's, and he goes straight to the hunting knives section. (laughs) This pretty dope store that you have a whole area just for hunting knives, but he's walking around, he's looking in the hunting knife section, and he sees one that he likes, and he just walks out with it. Just walks right out of the store holding the knife. Didn't even... Put it in his backpack. Walks out holding this knife. As he's walking down the street, screaming, shouting, drawing all this attention to himself, and yet no one is paying any real attention to him, he begins to see things following him. The shadows are back. He catches out of the corner of his eye dark figures, slowly stalking him. And the voices in his head are only getting louder. The alcohol didn't help, which it rarely does, right? You can self-medicate to a certain point, but when you're in this level of a mental crisis, a couple shots at Jack really aren't going to do... They're not going to do Jack at that point, right? And he... This isn't the first time he felt this way, but on November 1st, he is completely suicidal. And he's alone. He's walking through the street. And he decides, you know what, all I want to do is talk to my mom. All I want to do is talk to my mom, and it might be the last time I ever talk to my mom, right? I want to let her know the despair I'm feeling. I want to let my mom know that I'm at my lowest point. I feel like killing myself. So he walks to Abbotsford Secondary School, which is a high school. 
in Abbotsford. And the reason why he went there is because he wanted to use a computer to email his mother. There is no other way that he could think of to really get to a computer, so he figures they're in the high school. He walks into the high school completely uncontested. No one even thinks anything about this adult, this 21-year-old man, walking into this high school. You could say, well, Jason, you know, he had a backpack on, so maybe he looks like a student. I should also add he's barefoot, right? Not a lot of students are walking around barefoot. Not a lot of students are 21 years old. Not a lot of students are screaming at the top of their lungs. He's like, go team! I. It was weird because he would only scream out loud when he wasn't trying to be stealthy. And so you have to start to wonder, like, was he insane? That's a question that'll pop up as the story progresses. He walks into the high school not acting like a lunatic. He walks into a library, and there's no seats available at any of the computers. So even in the darkest moment, he still can't reach out to the one person he knows who will always have his back, his mother. So he walks out, and there's this rotunda in the school, and he kind of sits down there. What do I do now, right? Wait for a computer? Do I just continue walking? What, what's next, right? I just want to talk to my mom. And at that point, he sees pure evil in front of him. In this school, he sees a witch. An evil practitioner of the dark arts. Possibly the cause of all of his hallucinations, the voices in his head, the shadows that stalk him. A witch, a supernatural warlord, is walking right in front of him. And standing next to her, a zombie. The decayed remains of a human somehow walking upright. Maggots crawling out of its skin. Monsters through and through. He may have questioned what he was seeing. He may have thought, well, this doesn't make any sense. If he did have that thought, if he did think, wait a second, Gabriel, don't overreact. It is the day after Halloween. There's no way they could actually be a real witch and a real zombie in this school. He may have had those thoughts, but when these two creatures walk past him, Lucy, the evil voice in his head, begins to scream at him. Kill. 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 kill Gabriel pulls kill, the hunting knife kill, out of his backpack kill, kill, and attacks kill, the demons in front kill, of him. Kill. Kill, 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 kill. We have video footage of this as well. As far as, I didn't look super hard for it, right? I saw one screenshot. I don't like watching video of people being brutally assaulted. I saw a screenshot and then YouTube had taken down the video. There was a lot of articles from the local authorities saying, please do not share this video with people. This is very upsetting. And it's upsetting to the people involved in it and just upsetting to watch. There's a six-second video going around. And you see Gabriel standing over a teenage girl. Swinging his knife at her. She's trying to crawl away. And he's continuing to attack her. You hear a piercing scream. 
over all the other noise, over all the other chaos, fill the rotunda that they're all standing in. And then a man approaches Gabriel. Gabriel immediately drops the knife, backs away. Once he dropped the knife, Gabriel said he looked down. There was no witch. There was no zombie. It was simply two teenage girls. So we have this situation where now he's looking down. He sees that there are two young girls in front of him. And once he drops a knife, he says a voice in his head, assumedly the good voice, said, you're going to hell now. And while we don't know what his eternal punishment will be, we do know what happened instantly after he dropped the knife. The school principal tackled him. And the staff restrained him while other members of the staff tried to perform first aid on these young girls. One was 13 years old and one was 14 years old. Stabbed multiple times in a very, very short period of time. Both girls had to be airlifted out. Unfortunately, the 13-year-old girl, she died. She died of this attack. The 14-year-old girl did not die, but she was stabbed multiple times as well. Eventually, his trial was held, and it just really came to a close in 2021. He was sentenced to life in prison, eligible for parole in 16 years, and he was given seven years of credit because he was in jail for so long. So technically, he could be out for parole in 2030. What is that, eight years from now, he could be out. It's super weird. The crime took place in 2016. He was sentenced in 2021, so I'm bad at math. But that's only five years between 2016 and 2021, right? How did he get seven years credit if only five years had passed? I don't know. Canada has a really weird justice system. Britain has probably the worst that I've ever seen. They let lunatics go all the time. All the time they do. And I'm not saying saying America's justice system is anything to write home about. But... American justice system tends to over-prosecute, and other countries tend to under-prosecute or under-sentence. America tends to over-sentence. But anyways, this guy murdered one girl, injured another one, and it's possible he'll be out of jail in 2030. But this story, I wanted to talk about this story for a couple different reasons. Uh, One, I just find it fascinating. We talk about mental illness a lot on this show, right? And what it must be like to be in the mind of a maniac. Secondly, you have to wonder about those voices, right? Like, whenever we encounter stuff like this, there's there's two different ways to look at it. As it being straight-up mental illness, this guy has a chemical imbalance in his brain, or he had so many bad experiences in his life, it just warped his worldview. And that's definitely possible. That's I think there's always a conjunction of two things, right? I think that's the majority of people who, quote-unquote, go crazy. A It's a chemical imbalance in the brain, bad upbringing, maybe both of those smashed together, horrible life experiences, all that stuff, right? We've seen people get head injuries and become completely different and completely violent people. They're totally normal up until then. But then you also look at the demonic influences, right? Which I think is a minority of mental health cases, but I do think that there are people who are plagued by that. And then you wonder what the Venn diagram is between someone who's in a mental health crisis and being preyed on by forces of the supernatural. And you'll never know, right? You'll never know. We covered that one story, the one one episode on this podcast that gave me nightmares. 
I think the guy was named Michael Taylor. He was a brutal, brutal killer who was infested with all of these demons. I'll put that episode in the show notes. Like, that was, to me, the scariest episode of this entire podcast. And really, of all my research of paranormal stuff in general, the story of Michael Taylor. These two voices, were they part of his imagination? Were they part of his illness? Were they were they an external force putting pressure on him? Like a demonic force instructing him to kill, 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 kill. It's a sad story too, you know, a man I mean, like definitely he was at his lowest point possible, like he was getting ready to kill himself. But what's interesting is the psychiatrist, when he first got arrested and he was being interviewed by psychiatrists, they thought he was faking. They actually didn't believe his delusions. They thought he was making it up, which is always a theory. And I, I, this is so interesting, too, because recently I did a net, like real recently, it was in the past week or two. I don't remember what the episode was, but I was talking about someone snapping and going crazy and how scared that is. And longtime listener of the show, longtime supporter of the show, Fabio Nurbon, commented on my YouTube channel. I never thought about this before. This is so fascinating. He said this right when I was prepping this story. He goes, quote, I don't fully buy the snapping phenomenon. How come that the one who snaps only seems to target weaker opponents? Wow. I didn't think about that. And here we have this. He snapped and he saw these monsters and he attacked him with a knife. And the second that a man showed up, an adult man showed up, like walked onto camera. Once Gabriel sees a man show up, he dropped the knife and the delusions went away. Like, as I was prepping this story, Fabio left that comment and I go, that is so fascinating. He's right. You're right, Fabio. Generally speaking, these people snap and they they don't snap and start punching Marines. They don't snap and start walking. They're like, that's it. I'm done. And they walk into a mixed martial arts gym and start fighting people, right? Teenage girls. Fascinating. So you do have to wonder in these certain circumstances... How is it mental illness? Was it a lifetime of mental illness that was causing these problems? Was it actually a demonic influence piggybacking on the mental illness or a demonic influence 100%? Or did he make it up? Did he make it all up? Or is it that Venn diagram where a little bit of it's exaggerated, a little bit of it is authentic mental illness, and maybe even a little smidgen of it is something darker? Who knows? The only person who really knows the answer to that story is sitting in prison. The only person who knows what's actually going on in his head, because the delusions are gone now. He says he's been on the right medication and everything like that. He's better now. So the only person who truly knows the whole story is sitting in prison, and it's possible he'll be walking the streets again in the year 2030. If it was mental illness... And he's better, the delusions are gone. I still don't think he should get paroled in eight years. But if he does, and he's better, and the mental illness is treated, then do we have anything to worry about? If it was these demonic forces that were kind of piggybacking on the mental illness, now he's served his purpose. He's killed people. He's sent fear throughout the community. He's shattered families. Maybe the demonic influence is gone. But if he's making it up, if the mental illness was all an act, and he really just wanted to kill some young girls, everything else was faked. 
there's a chance he will be walking the streets again in just eight years. A man who fooled the justice system. A man who convinced the court that he had no control over his actions. When really, he was the only one in control. When he grabbed the knife. When he headed to the school. When he stood in court and convinced the judge to give him possible parole in 16 years. Gabriel was the one in control. Not the voices, not the demons, not the illness, but a master manipulator who's already murdered once and may soon be walking the streets once more. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at Dead Rabbit Radio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Peace.